0: Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. It wasn't your turn to laugh, Frank. Um, this is episode number 429, 429. That's two even numbers and one odd number. Yes. You, can you believe that? I can't. Um, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding, and who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well being is a parent's self understanding. Usually we come up with the title of a podcast after we record, but today we have the title before we recorded. And the title of this podcast is The Profound Loneliness of the American Man. And I have invited uh, two good friends to speak about that topic, and I'll explain kind of how we came up with this idea it was as a result of a podcast that we listened to called a Hidden Brain, and I'm even going to play some clips. But before we get there, I want my sweetheart to talk about some promotional stuff that we have coming up.
1: Um, okay. So three things this week. Uh, today's Tuesday, correct? Yeah. When this show is coming out. So tonight I am um, speaking at um, Robert Crown Center in Hinsdale about self-compassion and self-care and you can go to zenparentingradio.com and click on live events and you'll find where it is because you can register and then on friday for those of you who are in colorado or near salida colorado i'm doing a keynote um at their mountain mama summit which i'm excited about doing and then um actually thursday going back a day that's fifty fifty day Correct?
0: Uh, April 26th.
1: Yes. Thursday. And we are offering a free Zen Talk. All you have to do is register um, on Eventbrite. Again, uh, we will be talking about gender equality, specifically focusing on emotional labor, yeah. equality in the home, yeah. um, because there's so many things to cover when it comes to gender equality, but that is one of them that we thought was the most important, yeah. at least from our perspective. And so all you have to do is go to ZenParentingRadio.com, click on live events. You'll see all three of these things. It's a busy
0: week for us. It is. Um, so before I'm going to have my friends introduce themselves, I want to explain um, how we came up with this. Uh, Manisha, your friend. Uh-huh. Uh, forwarded me this podcast uh, The Hidden Brain I've actually been listening to to it for a while but she said um, listen to this episode because it's important and lo and behold she was right Um, the title of the podcast which are in the show notes if you're interested and one of my goals of people that are listening to this podcast is that they listen to the hidden brain podcast because it's good. We're just going to scrape the surface today of what they talk about in the hidden brain podcast. But um, what the podcast was is it talks about the misguided notions of masculinity. um, And it talks about the research that discusses the consequences of this um, masculinity, immature or toxic masculinity, depending on what phrase you want to use. So that's kind of the deal. Um, and it talks about male friendships and things like that. So f- I want to turn it over to my two friends. Um, I'm going to go over to my right first, Mr. Frank James Nago, who is the uh, co-founder of the Tribe Men's Group that he and I started X amount of years ago. Any idea how long ago that was, Frank? Uh, probably five or six. I think, it, I think it may be more. I think it might be seven. 2012 was our first. So yeah, six, yeah. six or so. So anyways. Been a while. Um did you listen to the podcast that I asked you to listen to? I did, yeah. What'd yeah. you think? A couple of different times.
2: Um I thought it was great. I mean, I I loved uh thought it was very kind of eye-opening and um you know, there was a couple of moments where I felt a little choked up. So that's always a a good sign for me.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And then uh not only that, what else do you do not your 9 to 5 job, but do you do any type of instruction? Yoga? Um,
2: I actually do I, I teach yoga recently it's been once a year on our annual uh, <laughs> tribe retreat so um, yeah I'm not, not not teaching that much
0: anymore but but that, you but I'm at the table with three certified yoga instructors correct I was gonna you say sure once are. a yoga yeah.
1: teacher always yeah. a yoga teacher that's right.
0: right so I'll turn it over to Sean Emerson who uh, is a good friend he's part of the tribe men's group that Frank and I started um, Sean introduce yourself for me I'm Sean. Hi, Sean. (laughs) Hi. Uh,
3: I am a yoga teacher as well. Um, And I listened to the podcast. The uh, thing that struck me the most is, um, you know, this feeling that society and culture puts both men and women um, into identities and roles that they may not necessarily feel comfortable with. Mm. And um, if there's something that could be done about that, then that would be a good thing.
0: So this is what we're going to do. We're going to play some clips. We're going to have a good discussion. Um, I, I think I first want to say that I feel like the three men sitting at this table are outliers, myself and Frank and Sean. And what I mean by that is there's not a lot of guys out there that are in a men's group, much less a non-denominational religious men's group. I remember when I tried to Google men's groups, they're always are attached to a church or something like that. And what Frank and I wanted to start was start a men's group, but had nothing to do with religion or very little. Let's put it that way. Even though we had one night where we talked about religion versus spirituality, didn't Mm -hmm. we? Yeah.
1: It's just not a prerequisite.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So we kind of want to reach out to some of the men and the boys out there that may listen or even the women out there listening that have men or boys in their lives. So let's just start out with this. I'm going to play about a minute. And it talks about the cost of unhealthy masculinity. And then I want you guys to chime in. You guys ready? Here we go. So this is from the hidden brain, um, the lonely American man.
4: Right. Again, the toll of social isolation isn't just emotional. An analysis of nearly 150 studies has found that people with strong social relationships had about a 50% lower mortality risk than those with weaker ties. Julianne holt Lundstad and her co-authors concluded that those with weaker social relationships had a greater risk of death than people who were physically inactive or obese. Let me put that another way. Spending time building and nurturing your friendships might be just as important to your health as eating right and exercising.
0: So we kind of jumped in with the middle uh, of that clip, but um, basically what they say is As us men get older, it becomes more and more difficult to maintain friendships, authentic friendships. And um, I guess I'll turn it over. Let's start with you, Sean. Authentic friendships. Can you... um, When you think of authentic or inauthentic friendships, maybe not shallow. Inauthentic is probably the wrong word. Authentic friendships versus shallow friendships. Do you know what I mean when I use those two different ideas? Do you have both of those? Yeah. Okay. And... (laughs) why do you, um, do you think it's important? Well, I
3: I mean, I think it starts with the word friendship. I mean, what, what is that? How are we actually defining that? Mm -hmm. And, um, maybe you don't need to, uh, talk about authentic or inauthentic if a friendship is that you share who you are with the person that you consider your friend, every aspects of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and it starts with love, and that's you know can be a difficult thing for men to talk about. But why we're not necessarily conditioned to talk about love and to show that, show our emotions. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think if we were more comfortable, with that things would be a lot easier. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Any question? Any uh, comments on that?
2: Um, you know, I think it, it is interesting, like you mentioned earlier, that we're kind of outliers. So. Um, You know I I look at my friendships and my relationships and I may sometimes take it for granted because I just I have those kind of relationships that are you know I can really be open and and express feelings for um, other men and to hear and and support them on uh, from their perspective so to just hear this podcast and understand that wow there's there's a lot of people out there that that don't have that you know um because sometimes I can just make the assumption that, you know, this is normal and this is what other people have. Um, but, yeah, I, I like what Sean said about relationships. I mean, you know, even relationships that aren't deep, I don't necessarily look of as shallow. They can be still valuable. Um, but I do think there's a detriment when we have an excess of those relationships where they might be, you know, nice relationships, and that's they're the majority of what we have. But, you know, like they said in that podcast, like, who can you call in the middle of the night, you know, if you were scared or afraid, um, or sick, you know, those those kind of relationships, I think are just critical. So.
0: Well, and that question is very interesting to me, because one, there's two parts of that question. One is, who would you call in the middle of the night if you were if you were in danger, or you're afraid or whatever? I think it's even a leap for us men in our 40s or 50s to even admit that we ever are afraid. I think that that's kind of leaping like who would you call like first you got to admit it um i do want to go back real quick because one thing i wanted to say and kathy and i have these discussions all the time and uh it's the paradox because we talk about all the time about gender equality and how men are in charge and and there's a patriarchy and and an imbalance kind of like thursday april 26 is 50 50 day um so we live in a patriarchy yet at the same time what we do know statistically is that suicide rates prisons depression uh, and even college attendees um, all favor the female so in other words there's less females in jail there's less females that commit suicide there's more females in college so it's like sometimes uh, sometimes I feel almost like guilty or shameful is probably too much of a stress stretch but Like, why are we even bothering talking about the men? Because we're the ones in charge anyways. And I just wonder, sweetie, if you have any...
1: Well, I think the fact that we live in a patriarchy lends to the challenges that you guys have. Because it's too... uh, The the balance is off. And so the expectation of men is too much. And and when I say too much, I just mean you aren't given the... um, the luxury of experiencing your whole selves. You have to be, you know, when I'm saying this stereotypically, relatively, you have to be one version of a man, you have to be in charge, you have to be the society tells you that you can't feel things or you can feel anger. Um, Society tells you that you um, have to be unaffected by the world and that you, you know, soldier through and even the language I'm using soldier through warrior mm-hmm. through that's all male dominated language. So my point is, is that I think that the reason, you know, cause I think the question you're asking Todd is if we, if we live in a patriarchy, Why, yeah. then how is it that men are struggling more because we live in a patriarchy because men are not having the experience of having a world that is 50% uh, female mm-hmm. um, or balanced—I'll just say it that way—and so they're it, they're not. You guys aren't. You know, every time we talk about gender equality, um, the thing is—is—is is, is it's not just about women getting things or being a CEO or having power. It's for you guys too, you know. And I know you guys know this, but for this is not about us taking over. It's about allowing us to show up and hold the space that we hold naturally so you guys don't have to carry everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we get our, when I say rightful place, the place we should have. And then we get to experience that, which is, which means we have more leadership and we have a say about our own bodies and we have a say about our own lives and our own choices. And then you guys don't have to be holding up the weight of the world, Mm -hmm. you get to decide, you know, do I want to stay home with my children? Do I, you know, do I want to do a job that is maybe not a male dominated field? Do I want to, you know, experience my emotions and know that that's a safe thing to do? So it, you know, your, your, the answer to your question is yes, yes, Mm -hmm. we live in a patriarchy. And yes, you guys experience the negativity of that just like we do.
0: Do you guys have any comments on that?
3: Well, you know, I think one of the, one of the um, results of some of the changes that are going on is that, you know, men 25 to 54, there's like millions, maybe 10 million men that are just checking out. So what do you mean? The, as far as the workforce is concerned. Okay. So they're not working currently. and And there's a variety of reasons for that, but they're certainly struggling with some of the changes. And, you know, there's... A lot of jobs open in what they call pink jobs in women, where women have dominated, that men just can't see themselves stepping into. Mm-hmm. So they remain unemployed and and lonely and um, and really struggling. So, um, so I think I, th- I think you know we taught, we started with friendships. I think where it really starts, and you guys talk about this all the time, is self awareness mm-hmm. um, and really understanding
0: you know, who I am and and how I'm living my life. Well, regarding the job thing, 100 years ago, there's probably not, you know, X amount of guys that are checking out because their value is based upon their ability to pick up stuff like the industrial revolution. Right. Like you needed muscle to do it. But now as we evolve towards technology where, you know, machines and robots are taking over a lot of the different things and there is this abundance of quote unquote pink jobs.
1: Well, and I would say that the, you know, we know the future, you know, Daniel Pink's book, you know, about right brainers ruling the future. That is the truth. That is going to be the way of things Mm -hmm. like jobs are going to be focused on being creative, being out of the box and and being with people. Because computers can do all the work that we used to do and now the jobs are gonna be focused around the things that computers can't do, mm-hmm. which is the interconnectedness Human with skills. people. Exactly. Yeah. Human skills. And so to you know, to Sean's point and to your point, this is this is like a perfect time for this kind of evolvement for right. men because they're it's they're not even gonna be considered pink jobs anymore. They're gonna be called jobs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's like we're gonna to have to figure out how to integrate both uh, genders into these, this kind of workforce.
0: Mm. Um, well, what's interesting is at the beginning of this hidden brain podcast, they interview two boys who are, I don't know, 12, 12, 12 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I have this sacredness of, uh, friendships when we were younger. Um, I was thinking of the movie stand by me, just like think it's before you started liking girls and you just, it was just all about your friends. And, um, they were in, they were like, whatever, eighth grade. And they asked him, well, are you guys gonna stay friends like this forever? And they're like, oh well, yeah, of course, why wouldn't we? When in fact, probably statistically, you know that they're going to either grow in different directions or maybe stay in the same, but they're going to be less intimate because they would like talk about how they, you know, are there for each other and love each other and things like that. And you know that the minute that these kids get to high school, um, that starts becoming less accepted. And I guess I turn it to you guys, Frank or Sean, do you guys have any ideas of why that happens?
2: I think, um, yeah, I don't know the reason why one of the things they talked about in the, in the podcast is, is as you start to, like you said, a lot of these friendships happen before you're interested in the opposite sex, you know? Um, and so that's, those are the people you're leaning on to, to share some of these important, um, you know, experiences and, and emotions. And I think in high school, that's where you become more conscious of the other sex sometimes. And, um, you know, your hormones are changing. And so that becomes more in the focus and, and the friendships can sometimes be put on the back burner mm. and, you know they that's when it's okay to talk about certain feelings and have feelings but it's we're basically telling people that it's okay to share those things with with the opposite sex oftentimes rather than with the same sex the same sex you know you you no longer that's acceptable you know and if it's if it's done then it's like you know it means something like you're gay or you know mm-hmm. something like that so um yeah, I I don't know, I just hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about that until just just now that you know that that time frame where boys start to act like they don't care and their relationships don't matter in terms of, you know, their their friendships, so
3: mm-hmm. yeah, I think the conditioning stats as they get older, which is okay, now you're going to you're going to move towards this role, these roles and this identity as an older man,
0: as a man, as you grow older. But don't you think it starts the minute they start watching movies, like when they're six or seven, but yet if these boys maintain that type of intimacy to when they're 13, I'm just wondering like what, because we get conditioned the minute we have a memory, I think, like we're given a truck instead of a doll when we're like four years old. And, uh, but I think that most boys are good at maintaining that closeness until,
1: but it's that piece that, that, uh. Frank was just talking about is what changes around that time is sexuality.
0: Is that all it is? Is Is well, it is it that there's simple? There's many
1: different pieces. I think it's true even what Sean just said really briefly is all of a sudden when you start to move from child to young adult, the expectation is what does a young adult man do? Mm-hmm. What does he look like? What does he act like? Mm-hmm. And then the sexuality piece just makes it more confusing yeah. okay. because now I'm having all these feelings and now all of a sudden the word love Means my sexual nature and mm-hmm. my connection right. with another human being. Yeah. And so then that becomes confusing because, you know, not always, when I'm saying confusing, not always about our sexuality, but just about, like Frank said, if I touch you, then what does that mean? Where when you're eight or nine, it's funny because Todd and I were just, we were just at the movies yesterday. And there was these we had just listened to this podcast and so there was these boys that walked in right before us to see a movie and you know how boys walk in and they're like hitting each other and like they're moving around and they're moving real fast and they're talking about something and they were like actually doing dance moves mm-hmm. on the way in <laughs> and and we had just listened podcast and i looked at the boys and i said todd do you think they're gonna make it do you think they'll stay friends and todd's like i you know i don't know but they were like messing up each other's hair and you mm-hmm. know they were just in that perfect nine-year-old ten-year-old mm-hmm. phase and we're in a year from now from now or two years from now touching each other like that it's going to have a different meaning mm-hmm. you know All right. and i think for girls we even though we understand that too we become sexual beings too it's not as scary
0: for mm-hmm. us well an example is our daughters you know we have a, a freshman and a seventh grader and they go to dances now yeah and when they don't have a dance partner they'll dance with each other yes when was the last time you guys danced with another man college, really? Yeah, and but even that is masculine dancing. Sure, didn't we like jump up and hit each other and all that stuff, <laughs> I, right? I, don't, I, I don't know. I had good moves. I think
1: Sean's <laughs> like I don't know about I, you. I don't,
0: I don't. No, but it
3: I, it was an outlier, but it was yeah, it was fun. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. Is it is it uh, acceptable? Is it comfortable for most? No, not at yeah. all.
0: Um, Um, so obviously most of the people that are listening, they have kids about this age or they, you know, most of our listeners, um, are women, but we've got quite a few men. And I think one's interesting. And I don't know if this came from the podcast or if I just thought of it, what happens to us? So Frank has a two and a half year old and a newborn. I have three daughters, as you know, and Sean, how old are your kids? Give me the age spread. 23, 22,
3: 17, two
0: girls and a boy. So when we're in these really busy times, Sean is kind of coming out of it. Like he has three very independent children. I mean, one's still in high school, but you know, pretty independent. When our kids are doing basketball and T-ball and soccer and all that, and that's also at the same time when we're trying to make as much money as we can to try to support our family, because that's really where we derive our value. I feel like one of the first things that most men kind of like discard are other male friendships. And I just wonder, Kathy, your perspective. I think girls, let's just say a typical um woman in her, you know, early 40s, late 30s, I think they're better at maintaining those friendships than men. Would you agree with that or no?
1: Yes, for most. I think one of the things you and I talked about yesterday um was that I think a lot has to do with you know what your friendships were like before marriage. Mm-hmm. I went through, Todd and I didn't get married till I was 30, and so my college years and my, 20, my 20s, my girlfriends were my family. I lived with them. They were my people that I went to and, you know, maybe dated people here and there, but for the most part, that was my family. And so, you know, once Todd and I got married, there was no way that those relationships were going away. Obviously, they're not as, um, I'm not with them as much physically. But there is a um, commitment to it. Um, And I also feel like it's Frank brought up before we started taping about how we can so often as parents start to become closer to other parents who have children the same age as our children. Because that's just where we're naturally gravitating to classes or to school. And I agree with you. Um, that that can happen. So just, you know, you're just starting to roll down the hill. And that's just what happens, because that's what your daily experience is like. And again, going back to, you know, what your commitment is to friendships, because I have found that what keeps me whole is obviously the friendships I've made here in Elmhurst with, you know, parents of um, my children's friends, but also my single friends who live in the city, also my girlfriends from college who live you know, around the United States and then my best friends from high school. It's like all of them are pieces of me and if I get too far from any of them I lose that piece and so and you know some people are think probably sitting here rubbing their head going oh my god well how am I going to maintain all these relationships and you don't always do it the same way. I think friends have different, some friends are just text friends like I'm thinking about you you mm-hmm. know but I think that even starting those relationships with um you know, like you said, Frank, with starting to become close to other parents, that can be great. and You can make best friends that way. But if we then, if that's our only outlet,
2: mm-hmm. then
1: we, we miss other parts of ourselves. Right.
2: And I think the difference between, you know, what you said about texting a friend, you know, yeah. a friendship, just, Hey, I'm thinking of you, you know, I mean, that's again, one of those things where, you know, for, for most men, could you just send a text to your, to your, to your <laughs> college body or a close friend and say, Hey man, I'm just, just thinking about you. Just want to let you know that I really care about you mm-hmm. or I love you or something, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, I mean, and that's a really powerful experience, you know, as a friend that, that can be a very deep, uh, meaningful exchange, um, especially in, in how busy we live in, um, you know, our lives. Um, so I think a lot of those type of exchanges, you know don't exist for men unfortunately and i think those can be really powerful and useful um because there's rules mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i'll kind of like in the podcast this guy talking about how you know he realized that he wanted to you know he just he needed to find connection with people and he found when he tried to go out and do that that it was like yeah. it was weird. Like he just people were kind of like, "What is this guy?" Yeah, this like, is
0: strange talking to
2: me. Yeah, I before. actually,
0: I actually have that clip. Um, not that uh, I have a clip about that guy, but a different story about that man. And I think the deal is he's divorced. Uh, he's a lawyer, and this is a quick minute from it. And
1: just to even back up, when he was younger, he had to move around all the time. That's true. And yeah. he said, "I had to figure out how to not get close to people because I always had to separate from them." So mm-hmm. not only did he have the male part, but he had the never, never
4: in the same place part. So here we go. Work as a lawyer, it wasn't enough.
5: I guess lonely is the right word. It was a very lonely time. I don't remember specific triggers. It was just this sense of absolute isolation. is too strong a word. Because I did go to work and I did have interactions at work and I cherished those. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was just me.
4: He drank heavily for a while. Then, he got into exercise. He eventually completed an Ironman triathlon. But these distractions couldn't quite stamp out the fact that he was desperate for friendship, for connection. So desperate that he turned to an inanimate object for comfort.
5: I was in my apartment, and uh, one of the fixtures in the apartment was a post that runs floor to ceiling, and a banister runs out of that. And... uh, the post became my friend, I would hug the post. I would hug the post for all it was worth because I was getting some kind of feedback physically. Um, it was at that point I realized I have got to do something because when you get to the place where you need to hug a post to feel something that you need, um, that's, if, if that's not a wake up call, nothing
0: Nothing is. That's the end of that shot. So, um, Sean, when you heard that, what what were your thoughts? Well,
3: I, I er, earlier he talks about or later he talks about efforts to make connection, mm-hmm. and um, and he describes himself as you know the creepy old guy going around trying to make connections. And 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 as I said earlier, I mean one of the things I was struck by with this particular individual's profile is the. Felt his self awareness seemed awkward. Mm. I mean, and was he really comfortable with who he was to start? Mm. And and could that be impeding his ability to to engage? Because um, I think it starts with that. I mean, if you're going into relationships, if you're trying to connect with people, um, I think you have to come from a position of of comfort and awareness of who you are Mm.
1: and he was already judging himself if you remember he said i would judge people who were just like me totally and so Mm. not only did he think like you said he had a lack of self-awareness about his own needs but then anybody who's like him he thought was a creepy old guy so it was just whatever he felt inside he was he was projecting out into the world
2: Mm. well and part of that is just not having the tools right so and, and he didn't have the tools in part because he was you know moving from place to place and couldn't, you know, had to shut off his emotions. So, um, yeah.
1: I think the most important word that he says that I've written down about three times is need. Mm -hmm. I think that one thing, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, um, but is this idea that men don't need things that men can do things by themselves Mm. um and when i say this i don't mean it's accurate i mean that this is a uh like a patriarchy assumption i don't need anybody i mean think about every character in a movie you know batman and you know all the marvel characters they're on their own you know the incredible hulk they live alone you know they're they can like do it themselves they you know they can't sustain a relationship they're just too on the go and the thing the problem with that. Is you know we can get into neurobiology here and just the way we're built, but everybody needs people. We this has got nothing to do with gender. We were built um, at the brain, way our brain is hardwired and the way our body is hardwired is to connect with other people, and when you have a lack of that, you have a lack just it's just the way it is and so i when i heard that part about him hugging a pole Mm -hmm. um it made me so sad and it also made so much sense Mm -hmm. because you need something to to and he he didn't even get feedback from it but the experience of him his body holding something
0: gave him feedback in a way Mm -hmm. i thought that you know it's funny sean you talk about self-awareness in a way i actually think although that is a very awkward story i will say but I will say in a way he's actually more healthy because he's at least admitting that he needs something. Mm-hmm. Whereas most men who are lonely won't have the awareness to even admit that they're lonely. And then instead they will numb it out by alcohol or drugs or porn mm-hmm. or whatever it is, or work. You can get addicted to work just like you can get work addicted to anything else.
1: They, mm-hmm. they feel, and I'm saying they, um, you know, meaning oftentimes men feel that needing something is a problem. Yeah. You know, well, it's, so a the, weakness, right? it's a weakness. It's a weakness. And right. this is something I have to hide. Just like you said, Todd, it's something I have to numb and and it's not based in any fact or reality so for you know dads who are hearing this men who are hearing this boys who are hearing this from a very therapeutic clinical standpoint it's not true it's not real like the fact that you're not supposed to need something if you do need that's not a character flaw that's being human so it's like a complete misunderstanding about who you're supposed to be and then that that You know has all sorts of effects after it if you have that belief system to start with i'm not supposed to need anybody Mm -hmm. oh my gosh
0: well and here are the costs i don't know where i got this but it says i i copy and pasted this from somewhere loneliness has been linked to an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke and the progression of alzheimer's one study found that it can be as much of a long-term risk factor as smoking or obesity. The research doesn't get any rosier from there. In 2015, a huge study out of BYU used using data from 3.5 million people collected over 35 years found that those who fall into the category of loneliness loneliness, isolation or even simply living on their own see their risk of premature death go rise 26 to 32%. It's life and death. It's not about happiness. It's about heart disease. Like it's one thing like, oh, be happier and connect with other people. This is like, and people are like, well, why do you do a men's group? Or why is this, why, why are you guys talking about this? Guys, this literally is, li- it could be life and death for us. And they that may sound over dramatic, but I think it's true. You can't go a day without um, an article showing up in you
3: know, online or in the paper about loneliness. I mean, it's an epidemic, um, at least perceived to be an epidemic for men and women can be tied to social media and and the internet um, as well as just kind of going to our tribes now I mean separate out and that doesn't really necessarily bring uh, more community can create more loneliness and I think people aren't comfortable with being alone which is different from being lonely Mm -hmm. and I mean being alone can be a beautiful thing but you have to have as frank as you said you have to have the tools Mm -hmm. in order to feel comfortable doing that.
2: Yeah and I think being alone is, is okay. If you have a support system, you know, when you don't want to be alone, right? To, yeah. So, um, cause I think that may be the distinct distinction, right? Is that if you don't, if you, if you're basically forced to be alone, right? Cause if you, if you choose to be alone, then that's lonely, right?
0: If, yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, some parenting stuff in a second. And, um, and some quotes from some of these boys. But first, I do need to talk about our partner this week. It's Health IQ. Um, Health IQ, they sell uh, life insurance and it's for health conscious people. Um, And I personally have saved over 600 bucks per year by switching over to Health IQ. And for fun, I get these emails, as you guys know. Anybody who listens to the show, and they have like quizzes. So um, I found a quiz from Health IQ specific to yoga instructors. Ooh, and we have three yoga instructors. Here. I love it. Wow. So Kathy's really good at this I, quiz I really... too. So, so <laughs> um, these are questions. I'm gonna There's start. A buzzer? I'm gonna start on my left. Um, Sean, this is to you. Researchers from Harvard found that eight weeks of daily yoga significantly improved a sleep. B, bladder control, C, appetite, or D, memory? Sleep, bladder control, appetite, or memory? I was going to say all of the above. (laughs) That is not one of the answers. Um, Sleep. Yoga sessions can help with sleep quality and feeling less fatigued. This can be attributed to yoga's ability to help people deal with stress. You ready, sweetie? Yes. Yoga is beneficial in controlling blank, one of the key elements of diabetes. Anorexia blood clots, cataracts, or mental stress? Yoga is beneficial in controlling blank, one of the key elements of diabetes treatment. Anorexia, blood clots, cataracts, or mental stress?
1: Well, I would say mental stress.
0: Is that your answer? Sure. Okay. (laughs) Several studies suggest yoga and other mind-body therapies can reduce stress-related hyperglycemia and have a positive effect of blood glucose control. And last but not least, Frank James Nago. (laughs) Research shows that after three months of regular yoga practice with chronic debilitating conditions showed measurable improvement in A, migraine headaches, B, tendinitis, C, facial tics, or D, postmenstrual syndrome.
1: Ooh, you got the hardest
0: one. Is this the hardest of the three?
2: Can you read the question
0: again? <laughs> Re- research shows that after three months of regular yoga practice with chronic debilitating conditions showed measurable, measurable improvement in A, migraine headaches, B, tendinitis, C, facial tics, or D, postmenstrual syndrome. Uh, A. Wow, very good. good All right. What
2: was it again? Uh,
0: (laughs) As per the American Headache Society, migraines may be a combination of mental stressors and physical alignment, both of which yoga can improve.
1: I would say that that yoga does
0: takes care of all those. Yeah. Sweetie, don't blame the no questioner doubt. or the questions. <laughs> um, so if you guys are interested, go to healthiq.com/zen or mention the promo code oh, zen when you yoga retreat 3. Right? <laughs> when you talk to a Health IQ agent, healthiq.com/zen. So I want to switch over to um, this is a, another quote I think from a boy um, regarding masculinity. Here we go
4: has an explanation for why boys have trouble maintaining close bonds with one another. The reason for that struggle really is quite
6: simple, which is that it's American masculinity and and masculine norms and masculine expectations um, that make, you know, close friendships into a girly gay thing rather than simply a human thing. So as boys grow older and and enter manhood, um, they begin to be overwhelmed with this expectation that somehow they have to be, you know, on their own. They can't depend on others. They have to be fully independent. Um, that somehow the desire for intimacy with other boys is problematic uh, in a culture that's
4: very hypermasculine. This hypermasculinity, boys pick it up quickly and unconsciously. There's one comment that Niobe can't forget.
0: You know. It might
2: be nice to be a girl because I wouldn't have to be so emotionless. Ouch. Um, yeah, it's just, it's sad to hear, especially in hearing in a young person's voice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember, you know, just my childhood and in certain cases where it was like heavy emotional feelings that weren't anger, um, you know, it was just wasn't acceptable, you know, so, um feeling that, you know, just that it's very limited on what's acceptable, unfortunately. And, and it might be this, this country or, or our culture, but um, yeah, I mean, there's, you can be angry, um, but sadness, you can be angry and, and maybe happy, but sadness and these other feelings weren't acceptable. So
0: at the risk of putting you on the spot, can you have, do you have any memories or Sean of when you did have an emotional expression that was made fun of or anything like that, or just wasn't accepted? either one of you guys
2: I mean I can remember um early on in relationships with with girls um at like the high school junior high high school level and um you know feeling a lot of sadness around like a breakup or something and um you know my my father in particular just not you know knowing what to do with that mm. you know so um that just yeah that sticks out for me
0: And any idea why your dad didn't have any idea what to do with that? I got lots of ideas, yeah. Well, the first one I think of is probably his dad probably didn't know what to do with it either. Mm -hmm, Right. And it's a cycle that we keep perpetuating. And I kind of have this hope that we are evolving as human beings. but And I feel like the the men, the fathers that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s have this opportunity to kind of expand what that means. I mean, obviously, you can find specific instances where it's accepted, but for the most part, it's not. So my hope is that we can make these shifts. Because as I've said a million times on this podcast, um, when you turn on the news, it's usually not a female that has caused whatever it is that you're watching on the news.
1: I have something to say. Um, I was just, I just had an awareness as you were saying that frank that the truth is is when we talk about the patriarchy and as i said last week it's not i'm not using that word as a slam i'm using it as like a reality about our our world just that men are in leadership and that's just the way of things and they've been in leadership so long that it has become the norms and the rules of our society that women women try and blend into so i'm using it more in that way than i am as a you know trying to be harsh but I'm realizing that we oh, drop my pen. I realize that we haven't really gotten the full reality of who men are either. Meaning because you guys were like toned down or tampered down by if it be specific people in your life, men, you know, fathers, friends, um, uncles, whatever, coaches. And also just the societal norms that when we are meeting you and when you guys are creating these rules for the world and becoming leaders, you aren't even your full selves. Do you right. know what I mean? No. It's like we're all being we're all like um having this like inauthentic experience with each other. And and I will say, because this needs to be said, women who have grown up in the patriarchy often follow the rules of the patriarchy and don't allow men to show up as who they are Mm -hmm. so like what i thought you were gonna say frank was you you had experiences with girls or women who didn't allow you to show your full self Mm. who maybe you cried in front of and the girl was like what's going on here like i've had women in my office when we're having sessions and they'll say things like well my husband you know he got so upset about it and he's my rock and i he can't fall apart about these things and he and i'm like why can't he fall apart about these things this is his mm-hmm. father who died or this is his job he lost or why wouldn't he fall apart about these things and a lot of times as women it's so ingrained in us that you guys have to be a certain mm-hmm. way that we don't allow you to, to be a whole human being. And so I want to say that to the women who are listening because, you know, we really do play a role in this, whether we like it or not. Like, if we would like men and society to see us as whole human beings, like every aspect of ourselves, you know, that we get to shine, then we have to let men be everything they are. And that is, that takes a lot of self awareness and thinking about these rules that we have in our head.
0: This may take us down an improper path, but aren't there, you know, let's go to our teenage years. Don't you girls like it when we're tough and masculine, (laughs) honestly? Well, right. Like if like you have two guys looks the same, everything else, but one guy is really sensitive and the other guy rides a motorcycle and does all that stuff.
1: I think that what you're saying is, like, do girls like bad boys and do girls
0: like... Sort all? of.
1: And you know what? I think that because I really want to be fair, I think that depends on the girl, because I knew of plenty, Of you know. But
0: generally speaking, it's
1: a stereotype. It's um, it's something we see in the movies. It's something that we probably have experienced in certain situations. There have been times in my life where I have chosen mm. the wrong person based on for the wrong reasons. But then there are times in my life where I, I mean, I, you know, it, you're you're good looking and attractive and all those things, Todd. Um, you <laughs> really you say are. Can you one more time? My my,
0: <laughs> my headphones just.
1: <laughs> but. The reason that I always liked you was because of your sensitivity and your humor and your kindness. It had nothing to do with like your drinking and your going out and your leadership. But and sweetie,
0: you're... I could pound a beer I know. without stopping.
1: I know, because you don't Wasn't have Wasn't that process? awesome? Yes. And you don't have noise.
0: I can't do that anymore because the beer's so cold. I don't right. remember the beer being that cold. But I as hard as you drank me.
1: warm beer, that was gross.
0: Milwaukee's best light it or was... Keystone Light. But here's the one thing, getting back serious. Um Kathy has created an amazing amount of space for me to be my full self. Having said that, how many times have I completely lost it in your presence, in our marriage? Three times. I can only think of one.
1: When you were sad about your sister, one time when we were at a restaurant, when your mom died, and when my dad died.
0: Yeah, got it. Three times, 16 years. Probably not enough. So. I'm saying that because one, I want everybody to know this is still something I'm working on, I'm not preaching. And then um, that's with a wife who's encouraging this Behavior? Release? I don't know what the word is. The
1: space for you the to be. No. But I want to back up to one thing, is that crying isn't always your full self. You have also been, you've had tr- times in my presence where you felt weak and unworthy, and you oh, told yeah. me that through words, yeah. not necessarily through tears. Yeah, it's when I so, thought we were going
0: bankrupt. It's and
1: done. and other times, yeah. Todd, that have been just like things with friendships or things with, you know, am I good enough? And it, do- it doesn't, they're not always like these big things. Mm-hmm. They're little day-to-day things. And I think that, you know, so, you know, so for, cause you're associating it with tears demonstrate yeah. and there's more than tears. Yeah. There is saying things like, I don't think I'm good enough mm-hmm. or, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I can do this. And that's brave too. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, like you said, what you it, said to Kathy is, um, you know, whether you're expressing this or not, we all have the need, um, to have these feelings. So it's it's having that aware, awareness that you know whether we're able to express them in our in our relationships because our partner allows us to or we're not. I mean in the end there's a detriment if we're not able to you know share those and and really own them ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's the self-awareness piece that's um you know hopefully you can even if you're even if your spouse isn't able to really figure that out yet you know maybe that would be something that you'd be able to work t- towards together because i don't know I, I don't see it being you know any more rich or, or able to be as rich if you're not so mm-hmm.
3: john no i i was just going to say i mean again we we fall into these roles in these identities based on a structure that isn't real i mean it's ingrained but it isn't it isn't real and if I think if we step back and we just take a look at wh- why, why am I, Todd, why were you feeling that way about something you weren't able to accomplish? It was because you weren't living up to some ideal. Right. That some, fake, didn't, some, some fake, fake story. That you didn't need to. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know again, if we can step back and just recognize that, things can be a lot easier.
1: Well, in that, both of your points. Frank, what you just said about, you know, relationships can be richer if we do demonstrate that or show that part of ourselves. And and also that just because we're not showing it doesn't mean it doesn't exist or that mm. we don't need All it. Right. And Sean, to your point about these things aren't real. And this is what is the definition of what creates toxic masculinity. And I'm using that not just about men are toxically, I'm not saying men are toxic, I'm saying when men do not get to express themselves, when they do not get to show up in their full selves, when they believe they are falling short of what society expects of them, that's when they do toxic things. Mm -hmm. That's when anybody Mm -hmm. does toxic things. But what's unfortunate is because, again, trying to go back and piece all this together, men feel more of the pressure to do it and they feel the fact that they have been so stunted in their ability to express what they feel the only thing they have access to is anger and violence and then that shows up in our society and it gets perpetrated against women do you see the it's mm-hmm. i know you guys know this it's not like it's new information but this is all connected and i think that's the piece that sometimes people don't understand there's a lot of like well i'm not going to let you know my son cry oh i wish society was different and it's mm. like, okay, these are connected. This is all a big ball of connection. Mm-hmm. And if we can start doing our piece at home, which is like what we're gonna talk about in Fifty Fifty day, yeah. you know, like how do we talk about, we're talking about emotional labor, but really that's about role playing. You know, who do we think we are in the home and what we're able to do? Um, we can start to shift this narrative.
0: I, I have a clip specific to that from the podcast. I
6: captured so many of the boys I've spoken with.
4: Even parents buy into the idea that there's something to be concerned about if their teenage boys appear sensitive and vulnerable.
6: I think parents sometimes even get anxious when their boys sound like this. So even when, you know, you hear parents talking about their kids being very sensitive, it's oftentimes with with their sons, there's oftentimes an embarrassment about it. And parents certainly aren't, you know, judging their sons in the same ways, but parents are part of the culture just like everybody else.
4: Niobe has had parents come to her and say, you know, I think my son is gay.
6: And I'll say, oh, okay, so you know, what, what makes you think that? Um, and they'll say, well, you know, he's very sensitive. And you know, that, that to me is as depressing as the comment about it might be nice to be a girl.
0: That's like so messed up. Yeah. Like, I don't have any words for that. And I know it happens. Like, I'm not surprised, but just to hear it on the podcast, I'm like, he's sensitive, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say.
3: Well, as we talked about earlier, if if the forecasts on the future of work are real and you know, the the people that are going to get ahead and the jobs are going to be available are for people that have human skills like empathy and understanding,
0: I mean, it, it makes even less sense. Yeah. I mean, you want your not, boy to be sensitive so he has job security. Well, I mean,
2: <laughs> From a practical I, I mean right? at
0: one level, yeah. Sweeties.
1: I, well, I, I just, I don't want to talk over, no. you know, I, I think that, um, first of all, again, because we have to break down these, these ways of thinking sensitivity has nothing to do with how we identify sexually, you know, it just, I'm just saying that for the masses, like right. being gay is how we identify sexually. It has nothing to do with our gender. It has nothing to do with how sensitive we were. I mean, yeah, some people can make some correlation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that the correlation doesn't exist, but it is not equal. It yeah. is not this doesn't equal this. And we all know that because now, you know, thank God, you know, we have all these um, brave men and women who, you know, have come out over the last 10 years where we see, you know, athletes and big football players and, you know, women who are very feminine, who are, you know, lesbians. And, you know, we're breaking down that stereotype of what it means to be um, gay or lesbian or, you know, gender fluid or, you know, or sexually fluid, excuse me, I'm trying to leave gender out of this. And so my point in saying that is there's some education, there's some knowledge we have to have that to defeat these belief systems about why things are good or bad. And we also have to really identify what is the problem? What is the fear about sexually Mm -hmm. like and this goes down a whole nother rabbit Mm -hmm. hole but you know the likelihood we have in this room we have three six seven eight children between us the likelihood of one of our children being gay is very high Mm -hmm. and as todd and i always talk about this isn't a problem in our family this is not you know this is not something that we but why are we even having that fear and why is that a problem and then why are we and then, why do we even think that that's something we could change? Do you see all the knowledge in here that mm. we really have? To, it's an onion. Yeah. Unpeel. 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 Where's the, where's the self awareness about this? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, and I
2: think when it comes to again taking it back to the to the friendships, I mean, what, what can we do as parents to show our children, you know, ab- help them about learn about emotional awareness, you know, no matter what their gender is. Um, is by showing them, right? And by developing Mm -hmm. these relationships and and showing them that, hey, you know, this is my friend Sean and I I love him, I care for him. Um, You know, that's just, I think that's a great way to to basically say to your kids that it's okay to be sensitive and to show feelings and to, you know, Mm let your whole self be be known, you know, by, by showing them that you're doing the same thing. So it's it's a practice.
0: Um, at the end of this, I want to share some resources and some ideas, I have some, I don't know if you guys have any, because there could be guys out there that are like, this all sounds great, I don't know where to start, I don't know how to start. And, and we'll get into that if you're about to start. No, okay, I, I think
1: the questions that, because I'm listening to you guys, I think the two questions that people are probably asking themselves that if you guys could answer is number one, Going back to the guy um, who doesn't feel like he can form, you know, healthy relationships or relationships that are meaningful with other men. How do you do that? And also, I think you know, and, and Frank, you just gave a great example for parents about you know, role modeling what we want our kids to experience. But then, how? What would you guys say to dads who are raising sons or daughters for that matter around the idea of masculinity and femininity? Like, so it's like now that we've talked about the big, you know, the big issues. What do do we do? What do men do? What do women do?
0: So let's start with this. Dad's talking to sons. Frank already said it. Role model the behavior that you want to see. I've said it a million times on this podcast. Um, Our kids are going to um, model whatever it is that they see. So the way I treat Kathy is the way that my three daughters are going to... um, See what is normal. Expect so to be treated. Expect to be treated. So, if I treat Kathy well, my daughters are probably going to expect to be treated well. If I treat Kathy poorly, whether it's right or it's wrong, they will think that that's normal. And we are not attracted to what is good for us. We are attracted to what is um, what we remember, what is comfortable, what is known. Um, and there's many different uh, ideas I can give with that. But the one thing I want to say about dads and daughters, you hear a lot of you, know, you see it on TV all the time. like you know girl, you know daughter, all all men, they're just looking for one thing when they're talking to their daughters about you know partners. Which is totally messed up because if all men are looking for one thing, I'm a man. So I'm only looking for one Mm -hmm. thing, which is, I mean, there's such confusion in some of the messages that we give to our kids.
1: It's funny because uh, Todd and I went to see the movie Blockers yesterday Um, and it's a pretty crass comedy. You know, it's not for all people, Uh, definitely not for children um but that's one of the big messages of the movie that they were trying to convey. What do you think of that movie? I
0: thought it was great and you, I've you been like laughing that? today. Have you? Yeah. And but there's I think I know what you're about to say and there's really important parts of that movie yeah, of I, how the boys are portrayed.
1: Well, two things. The the two most important things and I'm not going to give away anything by telling you this is that first of all the boys are portray- portray- portrayed well, <laughs> the boys, the teenage boys in the movie listen and respect. And they're not like Not over the top, not where they're trying to demonstrate they listen and respect. They're just human beings who are like friends with these girls that they also happen to have a relationship with. And so when the girls are like, I'm ready for this or I'm not ready for this, the boys are like, "Okay, this is fine. This is fine. So that's different Mm -hmm. than what we've seen in the movies. And there's also the big thing about the movie is the double standard between how we allow Men or boys when they're growing up to have a sexual identity, not only to have one, but you guys better have one. Mm -hmm. It's part of what makes you a man. Because if you're not,
0: you're either a loser or you're gay. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. And girls are not allowed to have a sexual identity because if they do, they're either a whore or a prude. Mm -hmm. So there's like this, you know, double standard. And as parents, we play a role in that. And so to your point, Todd, about Um, you know, what are we saying to our girls or our boys, we really have to be our first question that we always do in sex ed classes is what do you want your kids to know? And usually parents are like, "Mm, I haven't thought about that. And they have 13 year olds and 15 year olds. I'm like, oh my gosh, think about it. (laughs) Because whatever you want them to know, you could maybe get across. But if you have no idea, then they're as confused as you are.
0: Mm -hmm. So Hmm. Um I'm going to play one more clip. I did, I didn't I named most of these, but I didn't name this one, so I don't know what it's about to say, but if I picked it out, hopefully it, it derives some value. So last clip of the show and then maybe we'll close with just some ideas for some of the husbands, wives and even kids. So say anything like I love you or you're important to me or you're I looking mean, at me dumbfounded. <laughs> I don't say I love you in, well, a gay way. I maybe I say, "Oh, man, I love you, bro." Like a you're you're my you're my dude. You're important to me, but no, romance, bromance. I think yes. Right here. Um yeah, i He knows that it, he's very important to me, so we don't like. Well, I mean, not not really, or like some. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes we say, "You're my man," and like I got you, and like I love you, bro. And Like we hug, but we don't all full on holding hands so um sweetie how often do teenage girls tell each other how much they mean like is that like I I honestly don't really
1: yes I I was just texting with a girlfriend this morning and I was like I love you and and everything is, I miss you. Mm. And, you know, we can, like, go on vacation and sleep in the same bed and mm. lie. And I know you guys can, too. I I think that it's funny because every time I hear clips like that, I always think of the movie Super Bad, which really focuses on you can love your friend, but only if you're really drunk. Um, and you can tell them you love him then or if you're really, you know, at some kind of something bad happens and then you can protect them and save them. But other than that... And so, to answer your question, I, I could go on and on. I'll just say that I tell my girlfriends I love them all the time.
0: Mm. That's just the way. Well, I think the license that we get to, as men, generally speaking, not our our own group, but um, when you're drunk, to your point, or um, when a sports bar, a sports athlete dies, like Walter Payton died, whatever, X many years ago, like I. Teared up and got sad because he was my hero. Like, it's okay, or like at a funeral or something like that. But those are the only or times. Or during a
1: sporting event, sporting, you guys can hug each well, other. Well, yeah, we
0: can hug mm-hmm. each other. But even those race. hugs are really probably masculine hugs. It's not like there's a full on embrace. Do you know what I mean?
2: Well, I've There was a lot of embracing I've, after the Cubs uh, won the yeah. World Series. I, I, mean, right? I know.
0: I know. So I'm probably not 100% correct with that. But I think you know what I mean. Most of the time when you see physical. Connection Mm -hmm. on the sporting, uh, on the diamond, or on the field. Well,
1: I think that what's nice is athletes, uh, male athletes, give you guys permission to do that because they do that with each other. When they Mm -hmm. win a game, when they get a home run, when they get a touchdown, they hug each other, Mm -hmm. and so there's like this um, cultural permission that you guys get to do that too. I mean, that's kind of what I see. Mm -hmm. um, You know, well,
0: I I don't know if we talked about this podcast, but I when I. Whenever I see Frank and Sean and many other guys that I'm good friends with, we give each other hugs, and it's like the real hug. It's not the one where you, I don't know, do something, you handshake them, and then you put your right shoulder (laughs) into their right shoulder,
1: and you put your fist over your heart to like protect, protect it or guard
0: it. Mm -hmm. And that is a pet peeve of mine. Like I can't, I mean, but that's better than nothing. Do you know what I mean? At least they're doing that.
3: Sean, we're fighting through hundreds of years of crap. Yeah. I mean, to get to a good hug. Yeah, um, But I got, I, you know, the other thing on that quote or that uh, clip that gets to me is, you know, the 12-year-old boy says, you know, I tell him I care about him, but not in a gay way. I mean, to me, that means we still have a lot of work oh, yeah. to do that he's making that comment, that mm-hmm. he's already thinking about it as a 12-year-old, that that's how I'm engaging my buddy.
2: Right. Well, um, and he also says, um, yeah, he knows how I feel about him. Like, basically, I don't have to say anything. I don't have to, you know, because he knows. Yeah. Yeah. And does he really know? And that (laughs)
1: bleeds over into relationships with opposite-sex partners. Absolutely. Where I was just listening to one of Esther Perel's podcasts this morning, and this couple, that's exactly what was happening, is she would say, I feel so lonely, I don't feel attached to you. And he would say, you know how I feel. Mm -hmm. She'd be like, I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I don't. He'd be like, you know. And so that inability to express yourself with other men bleeds over into relationship with women and it can get into it could be because you haven't practiced it it can also be because of that need thing again if you actually tell a woman i need you or i really love you or life is better with you then all of a sudden you've made yourself vulnerable to being rejected so it's like that that there's so many things in there but again we what women also have to understand is you know, speaking to the women here for a second, is that these relationships that these men are having or not having affects our marriages too. You know, like it affects their inability or their lack of practice with being intimate, um, regardless of who they're being intimate with. It makes it very difficult for them to be intimate with us. And I don't mean sexual. I mean, Conversational, I mean, showing up, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of norms that we've accepted. Even, you know, the old stuff we used to talk about, Todd, like, oh, when you get upset, you go down to your cave and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I don't think that's like biological. I think you've just been learned, you've just learned to walk away. And you don't really do that anymore, FYI. I know. If you listen to our first couple of years of the show, seven years ago, eight years ago, that was your way.
0: I don't even, I think I was more saying that culturally. I don't remember escaping to the man cave. I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. And, and using the word escape, I don't mean like you caused a problem or you did something wrong. It was just you would be like, I need time away right. to think about and this. And here's the
0: paradox. Life. There are times when we do and you all do. Of like course. We all need to get mm-hmm. away. Yeah. It just depends on how do you break away. Like, forget this. I'm going to the basement or I'm going to go have a beer or like, honey, I'm not in a good place right now give me tonight or give me 10 minutes or give me an hour. There's so many different ways to do that. Um, so what I want to do now is if there's somebody out there, man or woman who wants to help a man in their life or a boy in their life, what can they do? And, and a few things that I wrote down, I don't know if you guys have any ideas. Um, my, I'm going to start with a story. I used to do something called YMCA princesses. And at these, uh, it's when a bunch of dads and a bunch of daughters. And most of the time, um, the dads, it's the idea is you're supposed to bond with your daughter, but what it ended up being was, even though there's no alcohol allowed on these premises, all the, guys, all the dads would get drunk and kind of drove me nuts. And um, what I found out, and that was just like such an example of surfacy language and everybody who's so guarded and which is weird because you're with your daughters. You would think that you'd kind of soften up. And what I started doing on a particular weekend was start with some vulnerability when engaging a guy that I didn't know that well and say, I'm really struggling with this or with that, whether it's with work or wife or daughter or whatever. And what I found out was many times the guys would reciprocate, but somebody needs to make the move. And I do that all the time now, probably to a point where I freak people out (laughs) or annoy people, but I'm okay with that. But if there's guys out there listening, like, yeah, I just, I don't know how to start. If you're waiting for the other guy to start, you might be 75 years old, still waiting. So you got to start somewhere. Um, And then uh, the other one is, you know, you're, there's three men on this podcast that are part of a men's group. If, if, there's any guys out there that want to start one email me and i'll give you a pdf to basically walk you through what to do or where to start frank and i also belong to an organization called mankind project and there's a really good website out there called the good men project all talking about healthy masculinity so if there's any um people out there and if you're in chicagoland look up the tribe men's group.com that's frank's and my website so anyways those are a few of my ideas do you guys have anything i, I didn't i kind of caught you off guard but
3: well i mean we're sitting here with three yoga teachers and and i think that you know at least from my perspective i think working on yourself um man or woman um can be a great start and so whether it's yoga or meditation or, or whatever your thing is i i think to be more self-aware and recognizing that you're reacting or responding or being in a situation that isn't you and it's okay to be you Mm -hmm. um is a great thing to do and i think you know yoga and meditation can be one way to do that yeah frank james
2: yeah i mean what i first came to mind is is just like what you said todd is is being vulnerable i think if you can come to a place where you allow yourself to Yeah, just just be vulnerable, you know, take the first step and, you know, you might get some weird looks or it might be awkward and and wonky at first. But, um, you know, that's 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 going to build the bridge. And, um, you know, like you said, the men's group, I mean, what's what stands out to me always and I'm just amazed by is the just the desire of of men that, that come to the come to the meetings that they want this connection, you know, it just becomes so apparent. Um, so, I mean, I think if you find a place like this, uh, for these groups, or somebody, even a one person, um, where you can be vulnerable and be yourself, I mean, I think that's a that's a great start mm-hmm. because people people wanna wanna um, connect.
0: Yeah, so. and it's a life and death thing, sweetie. You got anything for the wives?
1: Um, I think just reiterating what I already said, which is having the self-awareness yourself, having your own self-awareness to two things. Number one, allow the space for your um, significant other to not live within the stereotype and in the masculine model. Trust that there are many parts to them. Even if they don't show it, they're there. And that we never ever go after that part of your significant other. You know, Todd and I always call that, you know, the Achilles, like never use that, that cult- we, we
0: usually know what that Achilles is for our partner Yeah, and to stay away from it.
1: Yeah. And, and meaning like to say, well, I thought you were a man or real men wouldn't do this or real men wouldn't be bothered of this or real man would take care of this. Oh, I mean, I just feel like you are damaging the relationship at such a core level because those are the fears of the men in your lives regardless of who they are even if they're self-aware and sensitive and and even if they seem to be pretty strong and powerful in their own right those are still it's like picture it this way ladies when i'm saying this to you if a man were to say to you if only you could really be a good mother or if only you really you know you know did a good job or took care of yourself or look good or all these stereotypes that we have again even though they're not real and they're stereotypes they're still like ingrained in us as things that we're supposed to be and when we go after those parts of each other we can damage each other on a really core level
0: and the damage you're referring to like if uh if you were to say to me i thought a man did this or that i would have two responses one of two responses both on different uh sides of the spectrum one is grandiosity so i would like hyper-masculine, hyper yeah. or I would crawl into a hole and be shame-filled for a long time.
1: And those are the two things, that with the women I work with who are in a relationship with a man, those are the two experiences they describe, obviously. Yeah. They'll say he either gets scary and violent, or he yells at me, or he shuts down, he stops talking to me, and I can't reach him again.
0: And that's what happened to me. That might That's my, when my dad used to fight with my mom. He would puff himself up and yell and scream and do all these hor- horrible things. And then afterwards he would shrink he, down. He would shrink down into nothing energetically and be so shamefilled and nothing good comes from it.
1: So he would go vastly from one side to the other, yes. one extreme to the other, with no middle ground. No, mm-hmm. within
0: within ten minutes.
1: Exactly. And so the reason we're explaining this is it's not about Todd or Todd's dad or or anybody sitting here. It's about recognize that in your own life. Like recognize that um if you're seeing this in your own life, like it's not because those are the only two places that men can go. It, there is all this middle ground, but you have to create space for that and conversation around this and allow for that because it starts with us as the adults before it goes to the kids. We've already talked about that a few times here. Like we have to be able to role model this. We can't just teach our, our boys and our, and our girls to be different just because of our lectures. They have to like see it in action. They have to know what it looks like and we can struggle around it. You know, we're not gonna pretend these these stereotypes don't exist. We can have struggle, but we have to at least demonstrate that we're trying to make a change. Mm-hmm.
3: I would be remiss if I didn't uh, at least endorse Team M as another community. Oh, what a guy. Where, and I was unpaid, this is unpaid, plug. <laughs> uh, as a community where people can go and be with like-minded people,
0: um, learn to get more sensitive. Often I'm the only man on team Zen well Todd's there yeah two out of 70 actually there might be one other man who subscribes but he's never on the Zen talks yeah so out of 70 people there's three men so if
3: you're so you know you're listening to this
0: podcast
3: uh, team Zen is an outlet
0: and for team Zen community. is a subscriber based thing that we have Kathy and I uh, do live QA with whoever wants to be on it uh, there's a Facebook community with a lot of resources and then discounts off of everything that we sell. So thank you for mentioning that. And then the other thing I want to mention is, um, I've been meaning to get to these iTunes reviews and I haven't done it and they're too long to read them all, but I'll just read the titles of them. Uh, LMK Dolphin says that we're refreshing and inspiring. Paige Anne Marie says it's her favorite podcast. Thanks Paige Anne Marie. Um, Dylan Scott, a man. I think Dylan's just a boy's name. That's not. It doesn't go either way. are girl, it? Dylan. Girl oh boys. really? Mm-hmm. No. Let's hope it's a guy. Uh, love this. <laughs> love this podcast. So helpful. And then last, uh, Mama Assassin. I'm guessing that she's a mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't get enough. So thank you to all of you who um, write in and do those reviews. Um, anything else, my darling? I actually would refer to our guests. Well, I was going to get to. Oh, them. okay. Ladies uh, first. Uh, oh,
1: that's kind. That's, that's, the, that's that, old school.
0: That's the. Um, that's the paradox. I know. Like, do they, do the, as a guy, do they want us to open the door for them or do we want to, do we want them, do, do we want treat, to treat them equally? Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say is that's the definition of paradox is living in the middle. You know, it's like being in the, you know, this Todd and I've done so many podcasts about me too and how it's like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? Or what am I supposed to say? Or what, let's just be human. Mm-hmm. To each other. Let's start with the really basic empathetic response to all people, regardless of gender, regardless of sexuality, regardless of how anybody identifies. Let's just be respectful to each other and sometimes that i mean i hold the door for as many men as I, as people do women right like yeah. i don't necessarily think ooh, there's a rule but i think it's lovely when you open my door because sometimes i open your door mm-hmm. you know and we're kind of past that dating point of you know who pays obviously we share a bank account now but you know some of that some of that is lovely you know occasionally but i know when we started dating i would say things like this date i'm paying and sometimes you'd be like no 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 and i'd be like no I'm paying and and I did that not I did that for me and so there's the can we live a little bit in that messiness
0: remember when uh we had an apartment together yes and I charged you half rent yes didn't your girlfriends like really give you a hard time uh some did <laughs> like, but who is this guy
1: that didn't bother me because I had lived by myself for five years so of course I'm gonna pay rent I I didn't I mean I,
0: before we were married we right. were we engaged at the time I don't even know no okay
1: you yes you had we remember yes because you had to propose before i moved in and then you just waited until the last minute yeah but then you took a really long time
0: hey i needed i didn't want to finance that ring so i I had to save enough cash to buy it
1: todd had to buy it straight out so i had i flipped out and i was like are you i'm moving in (laughs) in two weeks panera bread panera bread with the
0: panera bread on clark yeah and sweetie had a meltdown i did you didn't think it was coming I told you it was coming. Know, what were you worried about? This
1: is this is an example of like a power thing. Like you had all the power and I'm sitting there going, oh my God. Sweetie, oh my God. Sweetie,
0: Monica um, Geller. Yeah. She proposed to Chandler. To Chandler. I know. So wow. there you go. I was getting close it's to even. that. all
1: even. I was getting close. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, it's all even. It's all even. Because of fictional TV Because show. of Monica Geller. All right. Last thing. Any parting thoughts, Frank? No. Sean, uh, just when I was driving over here today, thinking about what you were titling this podcast, uh,
3: it was a really sad, yeah, it was a really sad title. Yeah. So um, I hope the fact that we talk about it here today will um, help some people decompress,
0: yeah, you know, some of the sadness, Be less lonely.
2: Well, I think bring, bringing the awareness that you know that we that there are people out there that are very lonely, and um, this is an issue, and so bringing awareness to it is is a great start. Um, Yeah. And then just step outside your comfort zone and, and be vulnerable. Make those connections.
1: And I will say again, because we always talk, you know, being a feminist myself and, you know, focusing on women's rights and I focus on girls and women. This is part of the feminist movement is that we need to it's not just about we just focus on women this it needs to be a balanced approach to where are men not able to show up as themselves because when they're not that's when things become toxic toxic and they get askew Mm -hmm. so it's like we have to focus on each other and and acknowledge where all of us need support rather than just think it's one-sided
0: um i'll sum that up with two words sweetie (laughs) keep (laughs) trucking. adios
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us.
0: Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page. We have a book club and get discounts on everything that we have to offer.
1: Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to ZenParentingRadio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books.
0: Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about The Tribe. It's a men's group, and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters.
1: If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon.
0: Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support and keep on trucking.